What's up? This is Ruby Rose. What's good? I'm Roddy Rich. Hi, I'm Young Thug. I'm Trippy Red. What it do is the big bag, big speaker money bag, yo. What's up? I'm Doja Cat. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Chop Boy Freddy, baby. From the Upperman African American Cultural Center, it's Chop It Up. The dopest black cultural center podcast in the game this fall, only at The Up. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the second episode of our Chop It Up Virtually Black Conference Edition. My name is Manny Lloyd, Program Coordinator in the Upperman African American Cultural Center at UNC Wilmington. Our normal host, Sean Palmer, is out at his other day job, ruling as the king of all black people. But we have a great legion of folks on today, and I'm taking a step away because this episode is called Ladies First. What? With a little touch of Ladies First. I'm very excited just to listen in and hear uh, about what all these, well, these really wealth of knowledge it has to say. Um, and your moderator, kind of the guide of the conversation today, is Ms. Marjorie Fuller. So Marjorie, you want to introduce yourself and then let the rest of the panel introduce themselves. Well, thank you very much, Manny, for that very enthusiastic welcome to the podcast. Um, we couldn't beat you if we tried. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get like y'all. That's what I'm <laughs> Well, this is Marjorie Fuller, and I'm the director of the WVU Center for Black Culture and Research, and I'm also the current president of the Association for Black Culture Centers. And I wanna thank everybody that's listening for joining us. I have more than 30 years of experience as a black woman in higher education with at least 20 years of those being in the areas of black studies and diversity. And I've had some wonderful experiences. And my positions have allowed me to really influence the educational experiences of a lot of students. So one of the reasons that I'm really happy to be moderating this panel of extraordinary women today is because I know that much of what I've experienced uh, in my positions is a part of the collective experiences of these amazing professional women who are with us here today. And I wanna thank all of you for taking the time to share your wisdom and your experience with us and to also help provide us with some, with some navigation um, as far as working through this very complex world of being a Black female director at a Black culture center at an institution of higher education. So I think we're all ready to get started. Uh, I'm hoping that we are. And so I'm going to begin the discussion by asking each of you to tell us about yourselves and tell us a little bit about your journey as a director. I am Renee Thomas. I serve as the director of the Purdue University Black Cultural Center uh, located in Indiana. We are part of the Division of Diversity and Inclusion, uh, which also has, we have five cultural centers. So we are one of five cultural centers. I have a 30 plus year history in higher education and actually celebrated my 30th anniversary at the Purdue Black Cultural Center this past year. Uh, I am very much committed to the important work that we do. 
the center uh, that I serve as director on is a freestanding building. It's about an 18,000 square foot story building that has a very distinctive African architectural design in the facility. So it is distinguishable both from a physical presence as well as from a programmatic uh, presence on our campus. Uh, we are the oldest center uh, at Purdue University. Last year, we celebrated 50 years. So we celebrated a journey through Black excellence, our 50th anniversary celebration. I am Chandra Gwen, and I am privileged to serve as the director of the Mary Lou Williams Center for Black Culture at Duke University. Um, we are 37 years old now, I believe. We were established in 1983, although we trace our genesis to really the late 60s uh, when our students, uh, as many other students around the country, were leading uh, protest uh, and uh, stating demands. Um, our students uh, issued 11 demands uh, and the seventh demand was for a space that uh, we like to think of has been um, filled by the presence of the Mary Lou Williams Center. We are one of seven cultural identity centers at Duke University uh, in the Division of Student Affairs and um, let me think all these great things. I love that Renee went first because she gives me the model, which she does in so many other ways. So we are a center inside of another building on the campus. So we are located on two floors. I think it's approximately 5,000 or so square feet. Um, and it is the third location of our center. So one of the uh, special opportunities that Black cultural centers will have uh, is the opportunity to move. Uh, whether you want to or not, uh, you probably have a chance uh, uh, to grow and expand. And, and we are really grateful for the space that we now occupy. Um, and I was really uh, privileged to, to help shepherd that renovation um, during my 15 year tenure. Uh, so tomorrow I will celebrate celebrate. Um, so tomorrow will be the 15th anniversary of my service in this role uh, at Duke University. And um, I, am, I am continually uh, grateful for the opportunity and for all that I have learned. Ann Edwards, and I am the director of the Center for Black Studies at Northern Illinois University. And we are one of four um, diversity centers that we have on campus uh, reporting to our um, academic diversity, equity, and inclusion. I have about 10 years in higher education. This is my third year working in a Black cultural center, which is interesting because I came to Black cultural centers through Purdue and Renee. Um, I went to Purdue as an undergrad and I was a grad assistant there when I was in graduate school. And I vaguely remember saying, I am not going to work in a black cultural center. I'm pretty sure that I told uh, somebody else that. And here we are. Um, <laughs> here we are. So um, I'm enjoying it a lot. I think what is different about the our cultural center is that we are an academic center and a cultural space. So we are also home to an academic minor, a black studies minor. 
um, on our campus. And so in addition to us uh, being programs and support of that nature, we also have an academic side of our house that is ingrained in the mission of what we do um, here at our particular center. Hi, everybody. Um, Gloria Howell, director of the Marcellus Neal Francis Marshall um, Black Culture Center at Indiana University. And um, I was purposely trying to go last because I'm 30 days into my job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I felt like, let me, let me let the people who have more seasoned experience <laughs> go first. And then I'll just kind of, um, as Chandra said, I will just, you know, follow the model. Um, but I, I'm an, I am new to the to my director role, but um, I served as associate director. I started that position um, in January 2019, and I was just promoted to director as my um, former supervisor, Monica Johnson, was promoted to assistant vice president for diversity education. So shout outs to her. Um, so a lot of transition and promotion during, um, you know, a time where jobs are very few. Um, so I'm very blessed and very grateful, um, you know, to be able to experience this. And um, I'm very new. I, uh, last July, defended my dissertation from the um, IU HESA program, Higher Ed Student Affairs program. So I'm like real fresh and wet behind the ears. Um, but um, I kind of, I tell people I, the, the Black Culture Center has always been my favorite space on campus since I got to IU in 2013. I grew up in Mississippi and went to school at the University of Mississippi where, um, you know, cultural centers were definitely not um, something that people prioritize. Cultural spaces in general were not prioritized. So um, when I came to IU, I was like a kid in the candy store because I'd never seen a Black Culture Center. So it was the first place that I went when I visited to campus. I didn't even go to the School of Education to figure out what my classes were. I went to the Black Culture Center. Um, and I worked in the center as a graduate assistant for my first two years of my doc program with the African American Arts Institute um, as the road manager for the IU Soul Review, um, which is a, a group that we share our building with, um, the African American Arts Institute. And um, then I ended up in the associate director role during a very fun and exciting time. Um, like Renee, we also celebrated our 50th anniversary last academic year, which was just so much fun. Um, and so I feel like I came into the center at this like prime time, if you will, um, being being there for our celebration of our 50th and then kind of starting like the next 50 years as the center director, I think is just an amazing opportunity. Um, so like the other you know centers ours was also birthed out of student activism and protest and um you know kind of seeing almost like a resurgence of that in a different form these days um which has been kind of exciting to watch um but i'm very excited for the opportunity to serve um to serve in this way and um excited to see what's going to happen next thank you for allowing me to be here One of the questions that, that I have been given to ask you is, what one word describes what it's like running your specific cultural center? Which Only is one word? What is that? One word. <laughs> I, I'm gonna pick an odd word, and my word would be water. 
And I picked water for several reasons. Uh, I mean, because all these things jumped in my mind and I was like, no, maybe water. And because water can be calm, water is essential for life. Uh, water can be very violent uh, and water can reshape some things. If you think about a river and how it reshapes rocks. Um, water was also a part of our history in terms of the Middle Passage journey. Uh, and water was important as we went on to freedom. Oftentimes it was the crossing of water. Um, so it's an odd word, but I think that it's powerful when I think about the work that we do at the Black Cultural Center and um, we can't survive without water. And I believe for many of our Black students, the, the Cultural Center is that oasis um, for our students. So I'm gonna stop there, but I would say water. I mean, it's odd, but that's what sort of came forward. That's not an odd word, actually. I, I think, because, um, and it just, and when you explained it, I was like, oh, you know, that makes absolute sense. I think my word would be um, re-energizing because, so I probably failed to mention this, but our, uh, the Center for Black Studies will be celebrating 50 years next year. Um, but this year is the first year, um, we are, it's, it's like a, a circling back. So our center was born out of, you know, protests of students who wanted different things, who were advocating. And I say re-energizing because we had an incident recently where, um, a racial slur was written on our building. And out of that was this re-energizing of student advocacy to where they're like, these are the demands. This is what we want as students. They marched, um, you know, they, they, are, they, are, they are trying to um, learn how to advocate for themselves. And so I think, I feel it, I find it to be very re-energizing because I think Oftentimes we talk about these generations as generations who don't care, who are apathetic, who are lost. But in, in essence, we're, I'm seeing them um, learn, first of all, learn history so that they can do it better and then try to do it better. That's really great. Um, Chandra? I, I feel like, and when she said one word, just one word, I have, I'm struggling over here. And then they come out with brilliance. And but so look at the words, right? Like That's what I'm saying. Like so really you can't, so really what I'm hearing like, is that you can't lose. When they took out a paintbrush and gave us just the whole picture <laughs> of African like, here we go. Don't you feel the flow? You know, come with me. The only thing that's coming to my mind in this moment is elevating. From day one, um, I have been challenged sufficiently and have felt elevated by the challenge and the opportunity to think creatively about whatever it is that's being asked of me. Um, and I then in turn, I guess, just sort of flip that back on our students. You know, I'm always asking them, you know, but, but, but how do we win? Like, how do we, how do we elevate? How do we, how do we go higher in this? You know, and now of course I'm thinking about Michelle, right? When everybody else is going low, we go high. Uh, so, uh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say elevating. I'm going to say elevating. I would say it is um, life-giving. I, I say that just, that, that doesn't mean obviously that 
there are days where I'm just like, what in the world am I doing? Um, even in these short 30 days that I've had. <laughs> but, um, but I can say that even it doesn't matter how many times I come home and, you know, there might be a tear here or there. I'm just like not knowing what it is that I'm doing here. Um, I'm always replenished, you know, um, that life is always, somebody always puts it back in me, whether it be um, our staff, which is very intergenerational. Um, they are my elders and literally family to me. In fact, I call one of them Uncle Tim. Um, and he, you know, he takes care of all of us. So they give me life. Um, our student staff, unfortunately, had to dwindle in size because of you know budget cuts and stuff but um we still have one and she gives me so much life um and our graduate assistants um who are phenomenal so everybody you know on different levels give life to me at at certain times and i don't even think that they know that they're doing that um whether it be you know conversations that we're having or just sometimes you need just that extra push you know to do to do the work um to elevate and um, of course, the students, even though they're not with us in person, they're the pulse and the heartbeat of what we do. So, um, you know, if, if I can't get life from them, then I might need to reevaluate what it is that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so, so in that regard, I would definitely say that it, it's life-giving every day. You're right. That is so life-affirming. And, you know, we all feel that way. We do. You know, as we move through our days, I think most of them feel as though we are doing important and life-affirming work. And as I say that, I also move towards the first part of my introduction, which was that we also have challenges that we deal with. And dealing with challenges as a Black woman in this country is inevitable. But why don't we talk a little bit about some of the challenges that we faced as Black women in these roles as directors? I will say this. I don't know a job that as a Black woman um, that I have held where I have not had resistance and pushback. And the, the Black cultural space, though, um, have I had misogyny? Absolutely. I've also had um, pushback from, in some cases, other Black women and some cases, just other other black people in general, right? Um, I think it's it's heavily critical, and it's easy to criticize um, the work that we do because it's you know why is it why are you just doing this? Like there are other people, but I work at a black cultural center, so like I and I realize that there are other people, and I think that the major pushback is usually like why are you you know you're here you go, you're gonna talk about black stuff. Well, that's my job. My job is to talk about black stuff and it's to teach people about black stuff and it's to work with black students. I agree with you, Anne. I was like shaking in my seat as you were talking because <laughs> I was like, dang, that is so real. What I will say, um, honestly, it is really mixed um, from really starting out at a time when I was also thought to be young. That was before. Uh, come now, come, come now. You're young still. We're all young. Before. That was before. I'm claiming young. <laughs> um, and that certainly, without a doubt, impacted, um, it impacted my confidence. 
So I will say one of the challenges um, that I have experienced is self-doubt. Um, and that is not helped by everybody else that got their doubts too. <laughs> so um, I will say, so one of the challenges I would say is self-doubt, but um, I think even beyond that, uh, and I think Anne maybe started, started here, um, the disappointment of the lack of support from people that look like you and the questioning. So on the one hand, there's another group that you're watching pretty much kind of have rendered you invisible, right? They ain't even paying attention. It's like, yeah, there's cultural center. Good. It's good. It's great. You good. You got everything. You good. You know? Uh, and then there's the other folks that every time, every time you think to do something, there's a question about it. And, and I think, well, you said there's a question that not just about it, but how you would do it. Right. And they may have a mind to do it, but they didn't have a mind to do this job. That's it. So, um, right. Right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's been interesting. Um, yeah. You know, they say you wouldn't take nothing for the journey now. Sandra, I think that I, I appreciate the fact that you bring up this whole notion of the imposter syndrome. Oh, gosh, I don't know how many times I have to self-talk myself. I am more than enough, and I can do this. I mean, there's a lot of yes. self-affirmation that needs to happen in these positions as well. But the other thing I'd like to offer, too, and, and I know, Chandra, you have some other comments, is that even though there are challenges, I think that all of us are very passionate about the work, and we love the work. Absolutely. The good always outweighs the bad and and that the fact that we have an opportunity to transform students lives and to really uh, know that we are helping to shape and mold them outweighs those challenges but the challenges are indeed real so I appreciate your honesty yeah yeah and I mean just absolutely I mean the the um the gift of being present in their life at this very precious time I tell them I would take nothing for it, absolutely nothing for it, and so grateful um, for the lives that I've touched, but more importantly for the lives that have touched mine um, and the way that I see them show up in the world. Um, it is just a really gratifying, really gratifying experience. Um, I think something that you said, uh, Renee, though, about, uh, you said something about imposter syndrome and just, um, the amount of, um, you know, just encouragement that you have to give yourself. I mean, uh, it really does also take a toll, you know, the amount of time that you spend, particularly when you have reached a, a level of confidence where you say, I got this, like, why, why? But you, you just are going, why does no one else see what I see? Like, as you say, if we innovating, right, I'm watching people knock off stuff or take half of an idea and then wonder why it didn't work quite out, work, work out, you know, quite right. It was like, cause you only took half the idea. Like, you know, you didn't, <laughs> I mean, that, that really wasn't the full concept, you know, um, right. watch that. And yet there's still some sort of doubt about your, uh, your ability, your ability to execute or some, some level of doubt about um, what you are capable of doing. Uh, and that really, um, makes the work 
um, a bit a bit of a heavier lift than I think uh, is necessary. You know, it's it's um, I think people are talking now uh, with everything that's been going on in these recent months, just about how much energy you're expending on not sort of walking in your gift because you're trying to bring somebody else along, right? I, I said to some colleagues the other day, uh, and they said back to me, you need to put that on a shirt, is I'm unshaken by your ignorance. And yet it is taking up time. Like, <laughs> I am a, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm here, I'm willing to do the work, I'm willing to do the training, but that is time then that I'm not able to use in a different way um, consistent with the work that I feel called to do in this role with the students that I care so much about. Right. I have a follow-up question to that um, for you all. Like, how are you, how are you handling those requests, if you will? Like, what are, do you have, like, this is my general response to everybody? Or, you know, like, I guess, how, how are you handling that? I mean, everything from the from the academic ones, like, can you come talk to our class about, you know, can your Black Culture Center represent all Black people and come talk to us about Black people, um, you know, <laughs> or, you know, down to, like, the Renee's point about the collab, like, the collaboration, like, how are you, how do you handle those things, particularly now? It's on a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree. And, and I, and mm -hmm. I, I learned this from, you know, from Renee. Like, I can't give you all my energy. I, I cannot, because if I do that, then I have nothing left to do the stuff that I really have to do. Yeah. You know? And so I'm clear. I was going to say, the other thing I do is I hand them a calendar to say, you know, we have some fabulous programs and we would love to have you attend one of our upcoming programs or events because we address some of these same issues that you're dealing Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Your class to a BCC sponsored event. And sometimes that's good enough for people. They're like, oh, I didn't realize you did this. Sometimes it's not uh, because they want a training or something different. But you can present them what you're currently doing. And for some people, that fits the bill. And I think that we all have to remember that we have, our centers have a vision and a mission, you know. And we are really hired to determine whether the things that we are doing fit that mission. We can't not do the things, you know, take up all of our time and energy doing things that don't fulfill that mission, doing things that feel, fulfill somebody else's goals. Or, you know, because people will drain your cheek. You know, they will take all your energy if you let them. And I, I really just want to uh, echo that as a real lived experience is I'm fascinated by the things people will come and ask us to do. And the person that I am is like, so clearly you don't know, you, you don't know the mission. Like you don't, you have no idea that we are actually already doing some things. You came and asked us to do these other things that really aren't our things to do, you know? And so um, I definitely love the idea of handing them a calendar. We have created a, a, a robust slate of trainings uh, so that you can come when we have set aside time for that to happen. And, and we're going to give you the chance to look at your schedule and work this into your schedule instead of vice versa. Well, let's move to our next question now. 
the other mothering. And I think that as we talk about that a little bit more, um, Patricia Hill Collins describes it as the additional work that Black women often do in fictive kinship to nurture and develop communities. But do you feel like the other mothering, and I call it sometimes, you know, if you want to think of it, when it becomes overwhelming or it become, becomes pejorative in, in using that term, um, do they, are, is anyone trying to turn you into a professional mammy? I have you know? heard that term so many times. Can I just say that um, in some cases, it's not even other mothering. It's just mothering. People are like these kids, these students are coming to college with like, I need a mom in general, like period. Right. And so, I, I mean, I am very, um, no is a complete sentence for me um, in a lot of ways. I have no problem with saying no to some things. And, and sleeping well at night, I, I just be, mainly because, you know, I would rather give my energy to the students, right? Because I feel like the ROI is honestly higher than if I give it to um, an institution per se, you know? And so do I think that that's occurring? I do think that that happens in a lot of ways, but I don't feel like when I'm working with the students, I don't feel that way. I do feel like I have become their, that other mothering, that, you know, kind of voice of reason for them. But I feel like where the mammian comes in, it, it comes in when I'm brought in to do administrative things that you don't want to say. You want me to say what you wanted me to, what you want to say to them. And my thing is, nah, I'm not doing that. But what I will do is introduce you to them and then you can say it to their face. I, I agree with that. And you know what? I My experience with that is like, we run a program in the center um, called STARS. That I probably talked about it to each of you individually. But in that program, my name, what they call me is Mama Fuller. You know, so that's who I am to them directly. So I'm feeling you on that one. Like I am that to you. But where I see the mammying aspect of it is, I agree there too. That's what white people bring us in expecting that we're going to be to these kids. We're only here for that. So when we have you know, high level cognitive ideas, or critical thinking that goes on in the center. Well, is that really what you're for? You know, are you really there to do that? Aren't you supposed to be, you know, just caring for them and nurturing them and tending to their needs? And that is what a center director is, is so much more than that. And where we're trying to take them is so much further than that, that that to me becomes pejorative because it doesn't just demean us, it demeans them. It demeans our students, I mean. So have any of you had that experience where you felt that the, that, that the university or the institution's desire um, to have you be a nurturer has interfered with your ability to bring students along or to be a director and push your center to the next level? 
I think I've been around long enough that I saw it much more many years ago than what I see it today. Um, I remember when I first came on board as director, um, there was some student activism on campus. And I distinctly remember being called in a meeting and white men pointing at me and said, these are your students and you need to fix this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but I have not had that similar experience in recent years. And I don't know whether or not the differential is that they know that I'm not gonna be pointed to and told that's my job to fix your students or whether or not the institution has moved. And I, I wanna believe the institution has moved that we see um, our students as our students as opposed to narrowly define the black students Renee needs to control or Renee needs to get in line or what have you. So I think that, yes, I have seen some of that, but I think it's more historical than what I see currently. But that's my own personal experience. Yeah, my experience at WVU as an older woman is not the same as what it was when I was first coming into the profession. I think you're right about that. And some of that is probably also self-confidence, you know, what's you know what you do as ann said have the ability to say no the the sentence is no that's it period but if you say it with honey then it feels better going down <laughs> no i mean because, because you know quite honestly i have to think about what is the goal is the goal is not for me to keep a group of students in line and I, you know, the goal is for me to help those students be able to leave here. And if I am teaching them how to be complacent and compliant all the time, then I don't know how much of the world they're going to actually go out there and change. Well, given that um, young black women are a part of our centers and I see some of my students leaning in the direction of higher education. Um, what do you think that our mentorship for them should look like in this day and age, especially with everything that we've got going on right now? Um, I think hmm, I am my grandmother's grandchild, so I'm very old school with my <laughs> with the way I approach things. Um, and I'm real Southern, so I'm all about, you know, bless your heart, but let's get it together. So, <laughs> so I, I think in the culture center, I, um, and this is also part of the other mothering that, and also part of things that, that take up too much time, but that I choose to do, <laughs> um, you know, I latch on to our young black women and, and I don't know, it's, it, it, I'm sure for, for all of us, like you have those, you know, those students that just kind of, they pull at your heartstrings. Um, and so for, for me, like we, we have a, um, a leadership academy um, in, in the Black Culture Center for, for freshmen, Black women that are freshmen. And um, I also teach um, a first year research course. So I, which is a class that is, supposedly diverse but um there are a couple a couple of black students in my class black women and um who are also interested in education and like teaching so you know a rarity um but i'm making my business to always tap those students and and say like hello you know i welcome all the students but i particularly welcome you um 
you know, and mentoring them to, to where I'm like, hey, here's an opportunity. You, sh- you might want to look into this. And, and usually that's connected to the center. Like we have this leadership academy. You, I think this will be really good for you. And I give, but part, part of the empowerment piece is to also see how they move, right? So um, I'm going to give you this. But the other part is if you take initiative to follow up with me, then I know you're serious. And I try to kind of have that like routine, if you will, with, with students, um, but not just like a one and done with them. Cause some students need more than a one and done. It, they need more than welcome to IU. I'll see you when you graduate, you know, or I'll see you at the black culture center at midday house party. Like they need more connection. And there are, are a few that, you know, that I would mentor in that way. But, but I think it's important to, um, not only give them presence in terms of like being visible, but kind of equipping them to make the decisions that they need to make without doing it for them. And I tell them all the time, nobody did it for me. Like, you know, you put some fire in your butt and get going. And if it's what you want to do, you do it. Um, and if you don't, you can sit over there and cause sometimes you have to get that way with, <laughs> you know, but I think that was the, that's the kind of mentorship that was modeled to me. Nothing was handed to me. You know, I, I earned it and I tell students, you know, especially with everything going on, it's okay for you to be angry, but channel that anger into actually doing some work, you know, cause you can walk around and be angry all day and nothing will change. Um, but for, for my young women, especially because they lead the majority of our student orgs, um, they're, they're out front, but I tell them, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to adhere to all of these, you know, whatever politics there are, you play the game to get what you need, you be smart and strategic, but, um, you know, and, and I think that's the beauty of our center at IU, having that intergenerational group of staff, because you have those folks that will, you know, Miss Nancy has prayed for me, you know, in her office, you know, and, and, you know, you, you have those different levels. Like when you mentioned the scripture earlier, I was like, man, that is so timely, but you need those different levels of, you know, affirmation and mentorship and encouragement. Um, so that's kind of how, how I approach it, but I just latch on to, to those black women. I will say that, um, mentoring young black women is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Uh, We are uh, in some ways so, uh, we feel as if we must be independent and we must do it on our own. And if as a black woman, you don't come at me in the right way, whatever it is I decide is the right way for that day, then I ain't trying to mess with you. So whatever, whatever. Um, so I will just say that, um, while I have a heart for it, um, I, I think some of my students will tell you that, uh, what some of them would say is I offer up a, 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 a tougher mothering, if you will, um, because they, they, they receive my feedback often, um, as I think many of us do as a judgment and not as a loving expression to say, I see, I see what's possible and I see a little bit further than you. And what I want for you more than anything is to not be delayed in your development because of an obstacle or a hurdle that you can't see, but I know that it's real and will come up for you. 
Um, so I've worked really hard to be available and accessible. I want to encourage young women to reach out and to ask for help uh, and to know that sometimes Black women present themselves in, in such a way as you think they may be tough, but in fact, it's an exterior that has developed as an armor <laughs> uh, because of what they've dealt with. But the minute that you ask them for a word or some encouragement, it is all they can do uh, to stop pouring out love on you. Um, I think loving Black women is, is not an easy thing to do um, because I don't think that we always make it easy. And I'm sure that there are a lot of reasons why. Um, but we are deserving of love and we are capable of loving and loving deeply. Um, I don't think there's anything like a black woman's love. Um, I think it is unparalleled in the universe. Um, and so I just, I encourage us to continue to handle each other um, with compassion um, and to offer up to one another grace. You know, I don't know if there's anything more I can add. <laughs> Uh, I really, I, I, I think that my colleagues really have summarized it beautifully. Uh, and uh, so thank you. And on that note, I have to tell all of you how grateful I am for all of you. You've uplifted my spirits today. You've, uh, you've created in me that new drive that Chandra was talking about, that ability to say you're not alone and you can continue to do this good work because it's necessary for not just our students, but our whole community and this nation. Uh, that was great. Uh, I, I'm just gonna say that was amazing. I was, I was texting Sean. Um, he had a minute away from his, th his throne. So I just texted him and I was like, this is great. This is amazing. I love it so much. Um, and I'm so glad you're here. So I'm just so glad that I was even part of here and I'm, I'll be excited listening and editing this. Thank you all so, so much for being here. Thank you all for listening. We got one more uh, ABCC edition podcast coming up, which is our intercultural and multicultural center episode. So I'm super excited for that. Again, this has been Manny Lloyd and everybody just say bye. See you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Manny. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening.